somebody for time. I, I don't know if people have questions. I thought it was probably a good idea for... I um, the book that you wrote before the end of vandalism, will that be republished? Before the end of vandalism? Well, yeah, you wrote one book before the end of vandalism, didn't you? I wrote a book... No, well, depends. What it's, you... list, it's listed as you having written one book before the end of vandalism. I don't know anything about it. If you look it up online, it goes for silly money. That's all. There's a, okay, here's the, the way it went. The End of Vandalism was my first novel. Right. There was a very short book of three stories okay. that was published beforehand. Right. And that's, that's probably it, then. It could well be. Yeah. It's, <laughs> that's a funny story, because it's like... Uh, I had a short story that I submitted to Harper's Magazine. Yeah. They got back to me and said, we want to use this. I said, wonderful. You know, it was like the first magazine. How old would you have been then? Hmm? How old would you have been then? This would have been 1987. So, I mean, I was fairly old. I would have been like 30, 31. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, because I worked in journalism. Well, you don't know, but I mean, I worked in journalism for like five years yeah. before stepping back, going to the MFA program at Brown University. Um, and so, Harper's took this story... <clears throat> And they said, we want to put it in readings, which is a section that we compile from other sources. So, which means you've got to get it into some other source first. So I decided, my wife and I decided we would do a little chapbook of stories. We would put this out under our own, basically, I called it Mason Press. One of my, you know, my grandmother on my mother's side was named Mason, you know. And, um, and so that's what that book is. Okay. It was like put out for that particular reason. There were 150 copies are signed and numbered. There that's, are very few of them. Are they stories that became the end of vandalism? Like kind of. Yeah, it's funny you ask because Dan Norman, who's the, the sheriff, who is like at the, you know, one of the central characters in the end of vandalism, makes a sort of very brief cameo appearance in one of these story, one of these three stories. that's in this very early book, which. I probably have all the extant copies. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like they're worth something. Yeah. yeah. What? Can I have? It sounds like worth something. <laughs> what was the silly money they were going oh, for? Oh, thousands. Yeah. It's just crazy. I mean, I. <laughs> you could quietly sell them yourself. <laughs> Perhaps he is selling them yourself. <laughs> no, I. It's fine. I was telling tell Ben about this uh, on the way here. It's um, I have like a half a dozen of them, you know, and they're the only ones that I know of, you know. Um, I mean, there are more out there, but um, I guess not many. But I just can't imagine that anybody's really. I mean, you can ask anything on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, hey, make it five thousand. Yeah. You know. Exactly. Um, yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean somebody's paying it. But yeah, so that's that book. Okay, if that's what I you're did want to know. About. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. And there is one more. There is a book called my second novel is called The Black Brook. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. apart from the Midwest entirely. It's set in in. Uh, New England and and Belgium and Scotland and and some in the American South. It was kind of a um, again a sort of strong departure from what happened in the end of vandalism. Um, it's got it's got a ghost. Um, I don't know. It's hard for me to describe that book. I think it's a little. The what I was reading for that was. Um, Jacques the Fatalist and his master. Um, you know, that, that's sort of the background reading that I associate with that. Um, so it's a little bit of a, a crazier, sort of maybe more recognizably contemporary writing style, okay. maybe. And that was published here, because when I was... That when, was, when by Allison and Busby. Because the, when I was writing the piece, uh, 
I mentioned your name to a guy called David Shelley, who's now, I think, the head of Little Brown and edits right. none other than J.K. Right. Rowling for her. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned your name in a sort of, in the way I think we've all done. He said, oh, my God, and he published that book. Right. And he said, oh, he's a genius. So there you go. But, but then he described why it was a hard sell, right? Yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if you had a wizard in it. Yeah, he'd be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Would anyone else like to yeah. ask a question? Need a question? What does, as a writer, what does your typical writing day look like? My typical writing day yeah. looks like... Um, well, here's what, when it's working best. What I do is, you know, I'm usually... I like to work in the morning. I mean, some people like to work all night, and I envy that. But I usually like to work, you know, to get up and and uh, not have been awake too long, <laughs> you know, so you don't let your defenses build up, um, and get right to work. And, um, you know, I don't know, work through mid-afternoon to late afternoon and... And then do something else, you know, do something apart from that, you know. But That's... you do read other books, you read other books while oh, yeah. you're writing. Because yeah. I, I heard another author say that he gets, t- he was just so tired of words at the end of the day that he didn't want to... Oh, no, I love, else. you know, it's just, uh, it was reading that brought me to this, you know, job in the first place. It was lo- the love of reading, you know. Um, I grew up in... You know, as we've said many times, very small place, very, you know, you were you couldn't go anywhere as a kid, you know. Um, but to, you know, to sort of be able to read in books about other places, other lives, exciting lives, lives where really cool things were happening that I wasn't seeing in my own life, you know. Um, I loved books for that, for that their ability to create a world, you and know. And also that idea that the quality of what you're reading and this then going into the writing is, is, is interesting. Uh, yeah, I just kind of like to let it sort of glance off. And, you know, and the thing is, like, it also works with, uh, you know, art, you know, paintings. It works with music. It works with movies. You know, I try to, you know, like, devote most of the day to my own stuff and then do something different, which is something I learned from my, you know, editor at the New Yorker a long time ago. Yeah, the, this business about turning points. Yeah. And that you can't say whether there's going to be one tomorrow you can only look back at your own life and think why am I here on a Thursday night right Right. and you can't you know that way lies madness in a way doesn't it because you can't ever unravel that ball of string and I suppose it's I never thought of it before but it is obvious that a book consists of somebody like yourself Mm -hmm. who's got those turning points down in print yeah we won't discover them until we read it right okay it's just i don't know it's just and the characters very, definitely don't very know sort of thought provoking when you think about <laughs> yeah. it yeah i've often thought about turning points in my life and how inconsequential they were at the time yeah <laughs> or they could have been yes and we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow i mean no it's just i know it's a bit trite and everybody thinks like this but right it is interesting that they are, once they're in print, kind of somebody does know the future. You mm-hmm. wrote it. Mm-hmm. But then again, the, the point I think that's made in the Drifless area is sort of we don't know that that isn't how it is. And even in Jacques the Fatalist, the whole thing is like it's written up above. You know, 
Jacques says to his master, you know, like, it was written up above that I was going to get a, a bullet in the knee during this mm-hmm. battle, and so I did. Everything is written up above, meaning it's all determined, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and I think there are moments in here where characters will say to Pierre, like, well, if it's all determined, but nobody knows what it is, what difference does it make, <laughs> you know? But he says, and, you know, and the evidence of the book would support the idea that some people do know. Some people can tell what's going to happen. Again, this is something I would like. I don't know if it's true. I do know this, that when you write fiction, and I'm not, the, I'm not you know, I have other people have said this too. When you write fiction, uh, you imagine things, you create, you know, scenarios. And sometimes, you know, they kind of come to happen. And maybe that's just because it's in your imagination to be the kind of person to whom that thing would happen. But you, it's kind of funny. You know, it's kind of funny when you write something and then, like, maybe years later, um, you sort of see it come true in a way. You know, not always happy, <laughs> but um, but interesting. But there's this sort of slightly weird thing that happens when you start wondering about how much things were, were meant. So in this book, which which signposted that. And I, when I was, you know, writing the review and I was trying to sort of think of something clever to say... Um, I noticed at one point you mentioned the, the band, the Decemberists, and you have a, a character whose name's Pierre, so I, I was sort of looking things up. And there's a Tolstoy unfinished novel called The Decemberists, whose hero is Pierre, and I thought, aha, clever, <laughs> clever guy. But then, No, no, you're the clever guy, because that was not intended. <laughs> I'm the clever guy. I was, really talk- I was really talking about the Decemberist band. But I, was, but I was thinking, but that's the, th- the thing about this novel, is it lures you into thinking, well, hang on, did you, but did you mean that? You right. d- how do you know that you well, didn't I mean don't. that? No, you're right. I don't know. And that, know <laughs> but this is true. I mean, this is very true that, you know, it's like when you write, you will see, and then we, some of the other stuff that we've talked about, I forget, you, but you would see connections, you would make connections and, and see something happening in the work that I didn't necessarily intend or see. But you got to understand that when I write, I'm not really intending to like to like set up metaphors and foreshadowing and all that. I'm just trying to create a uh, compelling chain of events, okay? So that like a lot of the meaning that I can look at it and see is not like conscious on my part as I'm writing. I like to see, I like to be surprised by that kind of thing and I love it when somebody comes up to me and explains to me something about the book <laughs> that I didn't really know. You know, it's it's lovely. You know, it's like to me that's like a it's um that's sort of the mystery of art, you know? Because if you know it all, if you, if you can say, like, well, here's how I'm manipulating the reader through this process, mm-hmm. and I've got the whole thing understood, and that's what it means, then it's kind of boring to me. You know, I'd rather sort of have it be a process of discovery and, and, and putting things in that are important to me, although I'm not sure why, you know? What's the weirdest thing someone's sort of read into? Oh, golly, I don't know. Probably this guy who was thinking that, like I was referring to Tolstoy. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I walked into that one, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, um, no, I don't know. I'm trying to think the weirdest thing. I can't remember. I mean, I kind of find it all, you know, pretty much plausible, unless it's just viciously negative. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because um, I'd say, like, you know, now, at, you know, at this point, like, my job is done with these books. It's now between... The transaction shifts from between me and the paper to between the book and the reader. And and that's another thing, and I think we probably discussed this too, is that, like, I don't like to tell everybody what they're supposed to think about what's happening in the book. I like the reader to be able to sort of... 
you know, have the, uh, this creative role to play, you know, and to, to interpret things, you know, for herself, for himself, you know what I mean? Um, because if I can see it, you can see it, you know, and I, I believe that's, I like that when, when, as, when I'm reading and somebody is like trusting me to understand or to think about what's happening without being told, you know, overtly. We think with other art forms we accept it, don't we? Like with music, I mean, I mean, even Mendelssohn wrote songs without words, mm-hmm. you know. So I mean, that the meaning yeah. in music it, it could be what you said, you know. And he said, "No, oh, I didn't mean that." But I mean, mm-hmm. yes, it, it that's what it meant. You were listening, mm-hmm. you know. It yeah. couldn't possibly, you know, with with music and other non-verbal art forms, it's yeah. Well, the other thing I will say, truly, about the thing with the, you know, Tolstoy and the Simmons, I couldn't rule out that I knew that. I couldn't rule out that. It, 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 when I read it there, I thought, like, that's interesting, but I couldn't rule out. You might be right. You could totally be right. I mean, somebody else said there's a character called Roland in here, and it's like it's referring, a reference to the great character Roland. I was actually thinking of Roland the Headless Thompson Gunner by Warren Jeffers. <laughs> you know. But I'm not saying maybe I like the name Roland because I knew that it was at some level that it was a hero. So you could be right. How about Stella Rosemary in that myself? I, I, I wanted, you know, one. at one point I had this crazy idea that I wanted everybody in the book to have the name of Flowers. Um, I soon abandoned that crazy idea. <laughs> but she ended up with the name of Flower, the Rosemary and Rose. And Stella, you know, I think I... It, I automatically think of Brando, you know, in Streetcar. Um, and I think somebody even calls her Stella for Star, which is a line from Streetcar, named Desire. So, um, yeah, so. And this is unfinished novel by Tolstoy. <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone else have a. I was going to ask, did any part of you think the Pacific would be the end of the Grouse County stories? Like, did you think to make it a trilogy? What, I'm sorry, what did. So did you, because you mentioned that you would go back to Grouse County yeah. in the future, but did any part of you ever think that you would finish it with Pacific? The kind of... Um, you know, anything could happen. I mean, there, there isn't another one written, so I mean, I don't know for sure. I mean, I like... Um, if we signed off with the image, uh, you know, at the end of Pacific, which is Mike and Lyris, you know, sort of standing in the ocean and... And you know, sort of facing you know their future or whatever they're facing, um, I don't think that would be bad, you know. Um, so yeah, I mean, I could, I could, I could finish it there, but I, I don't know. I mean, they just interest me as people, and there's some, you know, it's like, it's, it's just like, it's not like my sort of repertory company. You Do know? you think about them when you're not writing about them? Do they, you know, or is it only when you? I'm sitting down and writing. Yeah. Not you too know, much. No. I mean, usually, I mean, it's like I got to come back and pay attention to yeah. them for them to sort of, you know, be in my imagination. Yeah. Although sometimes I think, like, well, now what would you know? Tiny would do this, but would Dan? I mean, it would be <laughs> you know. Um, so, so occasionally they pop up. Yeah. But can I just ask about the, the dialogue? One of the things I really enjoy about your books is, is the dialogue. And some of it seems so kind of incidental, um, uh, but sort of funny and, and sort of perfectly formed. And again, it sort of feels peculiarly Midwest, but then universal. So is it, is it informed by the conversations you heard, or are you, is it literally just you sat there imagining the character and imagining uh, the character? More, more the, the latter, just sitting and imagining the characters. And also, I mean, 
with dialogue, I rewrite an awful lot, you know. Um, and occasionally I'll give somebody a line that I've that I've heard someone say, but but usually not. Um, I I don't know. I just love working with dialogue, and I love how people say things. And and you know, as I indicated, I was a reporter for you know five years and did a lot of interviews and became very intrigued with the way that people spoke, uh, the way that they wouldn't answer questions that were asked, the way they would answer questions that nobody asked, you know, and the way they didn't say what was really on their mind. They get worked up about apparently A, but really it's B, you know. Um, that whole the sort of subterfuge and, and misdirection of, of dialogue, um, you know. I used to like to transcribe, you know, cassette tapes of interviews. And you got to really love dialogue in order to, to transcribe cassette tapes because it's tedious. Um, but, but yeah, I just love, I, I like the way that people speak. There's newspaper scenes in the Black Brook as well. What's that? The newspaper scenes in the Black Brook. Yeah, they're kind of based on, kind of based on, you know, a little bit of sort of a, you know, sort of a fractured version of, of some of the things that, that I actually did. But yeah, yeah. Where did um, Telegram Sam come from? Telegram Sam. Yeah, I think that is a. Um, isn't that a, a T Rex song? Is yeah, it? yeah. I you know I was you know I was a Mark Bowen fan in the day. I, th I think there is um, Telegrams. That's right. Yeah, Telegram Sam. That's kind of where that came from. But also it's the way he speaks, yeah. and it's not his name anyway. Yeah. I think there was also a character named Telegram Sam who was in a cartoon when I was a kid. Um, but I'm not sure. But I do, I do know it's on the T-Rex, yeah. And this is unfinished novel by Tolstoy as well, Telegrams. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, unless anyone has anything else they yeah. want to ask, if you have, do you, a final, final word? No? Yeah, no, just uh, thank you all for coming. It's got another great turnout, and... Uh, I love the store, and you know, and I, and the relationship that you have with it is really awesome to me, and very heartening. Back and I'm a friend of Jamie's, and I know that you're, <laughs> you know, that that she's a huge fan too. So, so thank you, and but thank you we, all for coming. Yeah, can we give a big round? Yeah.